Welcome to episode 10 of the Construction Revolution podcast. My guest this week is Simon Blake, OBE, Chief Executive of Mental Health First Aid England. We're in the middle of lockdown at the moment in the UK, and some of us may be struggling with our mental health through these uncertain times. Although we arranged this recording before the coronavirus pandemic, it's the perfect time to release this out to you. As well as talking about the work that Mental Health First Aid England do with businesses, there's some great advice on the podcast to help you with your mental health right now and also how you could help others too. I'm Maria Coulter, the construction coach, and I'm on a mission to bring positive lasting change. As an industry, we're crying out for greater profit margins, cash that actually flows, a more diverse and inclusive culture. We need companies to value themselves and their people. We need greater leadership. We need teams that trust each other and less stress. Oh, and we also have the small matter of the skills gap to solve as well. During this podcast series, I'm going to be talking to pioneers from within our industry who are doing things differently to solve these issues. I'm also going to be bringing you fresh ideas and perspectives from outside of the industry to inspire and guide you in bringing about some much needed change. As Henry Ford said, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. It's time for a revolution. Are you ready to join me? Okay, so welcome Simon Blake to the Construction Revolution. Thank you very much. Simon is Chief Executive of Mental Health First Aid England and they're a social enterprise offering expert guidance and training to support mental health. Their vision is to improve the mental health of the nation, which I'm sure we definitely need, especially right now. And I know your mission is to train one in 10 people in mental health awareness and skills. So welcome and thanks so much for um, coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. I mean, I know I first met you and it probably feels like a long time ago since, and it was literally a few weeks ago at the launch of your My Whole Self campaign. And I'd heard of Mental Health First Aid England because it's something that um, more and more people in the construction industry are getting trained in, which is brilliant. But could you tell me a little bit more about, about the organisation and about your role and how you got into it as well? Of course. So as you said, Mental Health First Aid England is a social enterprise and we're really about trying to improve the mental health literacy uh, of the country by training people in mental health first aid and other mental health awareness and products. We work, uh, we're experts in workplace mental health wherever people go to work. Um, We also reinvest our profits. So being a social enterprise, there are no shareholders. So any profit that we make is reinvested in training those who work with young people, primarily at the moment around sport and recreation. And then we also uh, make sure that we are, as an employer ourselves, are trying to innovate, be creative and use what we learn uh, to inform the way that we support workplaces to ensure that mental health and well-being is at the heart of everything they do. As for me, how did I get here? It's a really interesting question. 25 or so years ago, I was supposed to take one year out of university whilst I earned a bit of money before going back to train to be an educational psychologist. Um, And I had a good time. I got a job as a sex educator in the South Wales Valleys and from that became really interested in children, young people's rights, in sexual health, in their well-being and 
worked then really in for the last 25 years or so primarily around sexual health but that interface between well-being and mental health had a short stint in the national union of students uh, as their chief executive um, a, a few years ago and then became chief executive of mental health first aid england yeah absolutely passionate you know have uh, experience of suicide in my friendship circle uh, depression anxiety uh, and other mental health uh, uh, issues um, in family, friends, partners, all sorts of things. So this feels, feels very personal. We've got to get better at talking about mental health. We've got to get better at asking for help and giving and receiving help. I totally agree. I mean, um, I had experience quite a few years ago with depression and it came out of nowhere. It was, um, it was called like reactive depression to a, a certain situation that I was in and I've never experienced anything like that before and it just totally kind of like took me by surprise and I think it's really hard sometimes for people to um, understand mental health and what you go through if you've never experienced it yourself. I think it's interesting is it because of course we all have mental health and sometimes it will be very very good and sometimes it might not be so good and some people will be um, mentally unwell uh, and we whilst the comparison with physical health isn't necessarily always the best one you know that there is a difference between having a long-term enduring condition than having a period of an illness or you're know, having a bit of a cold and having the flu that knocks you out and of course if you think about our mental health in all sorts of uh, of, of ways it does mirror that bit that there will be some people um, some of us who are who are unwell there'll be some of us who'll have periods of being unwell there'll be some people who some of us will feel down in response to events or situations um, and other times that will be you know sailing well and and so we've just got to get better at understanding that it's not do you have a mental illness or don't you do are you mentally well or aren't you that there will always be moments in our lives when we're in good form there will always be moments in our lives where we may not be and there'll be moments in our lives where we may be unwell you know similar to you i i never felt a, yeah anything like i did when my brother died a few years ago and it took me by surprise i hadn't ever had that level of of, of don't quite know what words i would use to describe it that level of of, of feeling of, of grief of depth of of awfulness and wanting the world to just um yeah to stop and get off quite frankly um and it didn't and you move through but yeah we've got to find we've got to be better at, at understanding that it affects all of us it affects every single one of us at some point during our lives how does that work because you've said like we've got to get better and i totally agree and how can we get better how can we start sort of um you know, recognising the signs. The reason that we have identified uh, our mission as training one in 10 of the population is we believe that that will create a tipping point where you create the culture change that we need for people to feel confident and able to spot signs, talk about mental well-being, make sure that people know how to get help and support. So that, that one in 10 is very clearly about a cultural tipping point that we need. But of course, this is long-term culture change stuff. We have a deeply ingrained in our culture that asking for help is a sign of weakness, that it is not something that you want to do. You're the stiff upper lip 
uh, approach to dealing with things. And of course, you then put uh, gender roles and stereotypes on top of that, you know, that, that it just becomes something which uh, people often don't expect to do, is to ask for help, to talk about their emotions, to, 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 to show vulnerability as a sign of weakness, and, and that that is problematic. So we've got to start by understanding that we need to shift that culture to one where we must reward people for asking for help, acknowledge that as human beings we are completely interdependent. You know, this idea that you're either dependent or independent is, is just not sensible. We are all interdependent. We are all reliant on uh, others at some point in our lives for stimulation, for support, for, uh, for help. Uh, and that is something which we need to be teaching children from a very, very young age, because it's hard. You know, I'm, I'm coming up for 50 in the next couple of years, and I've learned all sorts of things about asking for help, about mental health, and I'm having to unlearn them. So much better for us to ensure that we learn positive uh, attitudes around help seeking, about mental health, so that children just grow up with that. And, and of course, what you see is young people are much more literate about mental health. They are saying that they need help. They are saying that it's important to look out for each other and that this is something which just has to be talked about. We're making progress, but we've still got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But how do you get people to um, to start talking about things? I mean, I heard a, a scary statistic at the launch of the um, My Whole Self campaign. I spoke to somebody at the launch and they said to me that I think last year it was 10% of recorded suicides were actually from people in the construction industry. Like that was the statistic that I was um, told. And obviously, you know, the the construction industry is predominantly men. I think there's about 12% of women in the industry. Um, the culture has been, I know it is starting to change, but the culture has been, has been that, you know, you put on a mask, you don't show your emotions, you know, you've got all the kind of banter, stroke bullying thing going on. You don't sort of share what's happening so much, you know, from a personal perspective. So how do you start to sort of break that down and, and have those conversations? I'm not sure of the, uh, the statistic that you have given. I don't, I don't know that statistic. What I do know is that ev every uh, day, two people within the construction industry complete suicide. So it is an enormous figure. And that was the that recognition of the issue of mental health and of suicide within the industry was what set about group of brilliant people establishing building mental health and the building mental health program is all about training people uh, in understanding around mental health including mental health first aid training helping people to uh, get help and support through information leaflets through an online portal through the training which includes mental health first aid training and so creating that visibility and having that program which says, we know that there is an issue in the construction industry. We know that it is important that we both change the way we talk about mental health, but also save lives, uh, is yeah, that driving force. And just that visibility enables people to think, oh, okay, it does apply to me. Because of course, sometimes if something doesn't say, you know, this is for people in the construction industry or, 
you know, men, this is for you too in the sexual health sort of field. People think, oh, that's for other people. Anybody else can talk about mental health, but I work in construction. Of course, I'm not expected to, or I'm a man. This is for, uh, for women or whatever it is that the stereotypes prevent us. But of course, you know, the only way that we will change the culture is by doing exactly what you and I are doing now, which is to have the conversations. And those conversations need to be in every, uh, every environment that we're in. But of course, you also need people who are trained to spot signs, to spot symptoms. And what the Mental Health First Aid England training is all about, is about ensuring that people know and understand about mental health and mental illness, that they can spot signs and symptoms, that they recognize and feel confident having conversations and know how to signpost people to other sources of support or to help them draw on their own resources. Because of course, you know, part of being able to uh, manage our mental health, our, our emotions, our, is also knowing what resources we've got within ourselves that we can draw on, what resources we've got within our families and our communities, and then the professional services as well. So it really, you know, it sounds slightly twee, but actually the way that we break down stigma is by naming things, by talking about things, and step by step, you know, opening up. And I really interested you know I, so I started work in HIV then worked in sexual and reproductive which has stigma then worked in uh, sex education where there's uh, stigma in relation to it then worked around abortion and reproductive services where there's stigma and then in mental health and the, the, the common theme in there of course is that there is shame connected with it and there is secrecy connected with it and so the only way to 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 make secrecy and shame disappear is to talk about it and to be proud of it. And, and what I think is really you know, inspiring is how once one person starts talking and somebody says, oh, actually, I've had experience of that too, or, or I know somebody, and that's why that sort of visibility and the role modeling of just being able to talk about mental health, just being able to talk about suicidal feelings or difficult times, is a really, really important part of changing the culture, smashing stigma. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I was um, the UK Construction Week, they have like a wellbeing in construction summit. Um, and I was on a panel last year and there was, there was three men on there with me as well. And they were sharing their experiences. So they were, you know, we were all talking about our own personal journey. And it was really powerful people were sharing a lot of personal information about sort of what they'd experienced and how they were feeling and and I think you know I think it really moved people to hear other people's stories and you know start that conversation so I think the more you start to talk about it the more you start to share the more you start to realize that because I found that personally the more I started to talk about my mental health experiences and my depression the more I found out that other people had had depression and other people had been going through things and, you know, they just hadn't sort of talked about it. So, um, yeah, I think it is about starting to have those conversations. And what sort of um, tools do you teach with regards to starting conversations like that? If somebody, because there's a lot of small businesses in the industry, like mm -hmm. micro businesses, like 10 people and less, and a lot of SMEs, if somebody wanted to, to you know to bring in 
mental health first aid into their company? Like, how would they potentially sort of start that journey? The CITB had funded, as I said, the, a building mental health programme. So there is there are opportunities for people to get training in order to to do that on a very practical level. That that training is is available through the Building Mental Health Programme and it's also available for a wide range of other uh, processes. Of course, at the moment with uh, coronavirus, that training is currently on pause, but yeah, we, we will get back to face-to-face to -face delivery at, at, some, at some point. So I think, yeah, that, that practical training, it is about understanding, having the confidence to, to know that talking is the right thing to do, to know how to have the conversation in a sensitive and non-judgmental and open way. And then also to make sure that we are holding boundaries, we're not overstepping them up. You know, that mental health first aiders are not psychologists, they're not psychiatrists, they're not counsellors. They are people who are first responders, somebody who can have a conversation, help people to get that, that further support. But in terms of how, you know, one of the things about small businesses, of course, is that you often know each other very, very, very well. And, and therefore, the more you know somebody, the more you are likely to identify changes in behaviour or to know enough about their circumstances to know that there may be events which are difficult you know, at any one time. So you know, the, the, the key bit in all of this is to um, make sure that people are wanting to have the conversations, wanting to talk about mental health and to know that it is not something that you should shy away from. Of course, I would say the training is really, really important, but even without training, whether that's mental health first aid or another form of training, the most important thing that all of us can do as human beings is to spot what's going on for other human beings, to take the time. If you ask somebody if they're okay, you know, I'm absolutely terrible for this. I ask someone, see someone, I'm walking past them, you okay? Yeah, and I'm just carrying on walking. You know, it's actually, you know, what are the times when you've got to stop and say, are you okay? And if your gut instinct tells you, actually they're saying they are, but their, their eyes tell me differently or their behavior is different than it normally is, then ask again. Yeah, that's, that's the key, key, key thing. Yeah, if you're a small business, you know, make sure you've got um, information about the Samaritans in the toilets. Make sure that you've got posters about the mental health web portal. Make sure you've got the leaflets from uh, the uh, Lighthouse Charity and the Building Mental Health Programme. Little things make a difference. It, there is no magic bullet here. It's a series of little things which start with us and our common humanity. That's really interesting what you've just said as well, though, about like having the posters visible and, and putting up phone numbers because that says straight away that you're open to having a conversation. Like mm -hmm. if somebody's just started working for you or something like that and they see those in the workplace, then straight away they're going to think, right, these people, you know, they understand this. I'm struggling, I need to talk to somebody, and they're going to start to feel a sense of safety, I would imagine. Ethos and culture, you know, we talked about this earlier, and culture, they're not always tangible, but when you go into a place that feels good, you, know, you go into a place that feels like it cares, you, you know, don't you? You, you know, whether it's a school, whether it's a workplace, whether it's a hotel, whether it's a restaurant, just the way that people are the information that's available really uh, 
just your your sixth sense, your seventh sense, whatever whichever it is, will just pick something up. And and you're absolutely right. Having that information, yeah. We at Mental Health First Aid England in the one to ones that we have with staff, the first question is always, "How are you? And what are you doing to look after yourself?" And just asking that question. Yeah, when I first started, yeah, after 25 years of, of, of working life and not having that, I thought, oh, that's an interesting first question. And what I've learned in the 18 months or so since uh, working there is, of course, that over time, if somebody, somebody, it's not what somebody says in the one-off moment, it's that you've got a measure of what's happening over time. And of course, when someone's not well, the first thing that often goes down the pan is what they're doing to look after themselves what they're doing to get joy yeah I mean it's really interesting there's there's all sorts of sort of thoughts like going through my head just from having this conversation and this is something I've been thinking I mean you know coronavirus and what we're experiencing right now is horrendous but there's also an opportunity to do a massive reset as well and what was what I found interesting is you know your mental health first uh, sorry not the mental health first aid the my whole self campaign um was about you know bringing your whole self to work and I remember seeing the the poster and it had a picture of um somebody sort of in a pair of bunny slippers with their briefcase to the side and now we're all sat here in our bunny slippers like having you know online meetings and and things like that like work and home have combined and collided like never before and um and so people are getting a glimpse into their whole self and and it's really interesting and now people aren't thinking anything of you know the dogs barking and you know all sorts of things that are happening um sort of mid conversation and they're getting an idea about you know the environment that people sort of work as uh, sort of live in on a daily basis but also I think more people are probably asking the questions about how are you today and what are you doing to look after yourself because I think everybody's recognizing that you know we've we're all in in this crazy situation it's really interesting isn't it I was reflecting actually last night that the first 10 minutes of every zoom WhatsApp uh, uh, Teams call is about how people are, and then you get down to business, and it tends to take a bit less time because you know when you're on the video call. But I, th I think you know we're clearly going through really difficult times, and who knows what is going to be on the other side of that. But what we have also seen is an enormous outpouring of support and help and kindness and new ways of doing things, whether that's community WhatsApp groups, whether that's the response to the NHS um, call out, whether that's people making sure that older people have got a space in the supermarket, you know, we're, all sorts of things. And you know, these scenarios bring out the best in people and the worst in people, but hopefully, hopefully on the other side of what is undoubtedly gonna be a really challenging period, there will come some something which we will be able to uh, rebuild from, and yeah, that doesn't take away from the huge devastation there's going to be in all sorts of ways in you know, people's lives, in industry, in the economy, and business, and and all sorts of 
of, of things going to be really, 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 really tough. But there is also the other side, which is that through this difficult time, may we connect with the humanity, which is at the heart of, of who we are, and make sure that it doesn't stop you know, when the coronavirus is no longer a threat, that those experiences that we've had will remind us of, of what is really at the heart of who we are and what being human is about, which is about compassion, which is about helping one another, which is about finding the ways to create joy in our own lives and in other people's lives. And if we, if we can take that from it, you know, that will, there will be, that will be the, the only upside perhaps, but an important one. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we've got to sort of continue these conversations on the other side of this. Absolutely. Um, and can you tell me about, you know, how did the, the My Whole Self campaign come about? Um, and just tell me a little bit about that, because I know we're all, we're all being our whole selves right now in, you know, in the situation that we're in, but it would be interesting to know sort of how that came about. My Whole Self was really about recognizing that we are always one person but that they are often different sides to us and that if we are in any way having to hide who we are to protect ourselves in the workplace then there is a chance that we're going to be focused on worrying about that rather than on bringing the creative brilliance bringing our whole focus onto the job that's in hand and doing it brilliantly innovatively and creatively and so just to give you some yeah, examples uh, of that you know that we will go through all sorts of things in our day-to-day -day lives you know that might be children leaving home divorce or separation getting married you know uh, bereavement people who go to work um, who feel like they have to hide themselves. So LGBT people, lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans people, um, over 50% go back into the closet in their first job. Women and people of colour often don't get the credit they deserve or the same voice or the same promotion opportunities. And so this was really about just trying to say, yeah, unless we are in a situation where we can take all of ourselves whether that's what we dress, what we wear, what we say, how we say it, you know, the ability to be flexible if we've got children, whatever it is, that is, then we're not going to be able to do our best. And an organisation that doesn't predicate, that predicates itself on you know, building strong relationships uh, and having meaningful work and people feel as though they can be themselves in that context is, are going to be the organisations that thrive and prosper. So this was really an opportunity just for us to throw up a, 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 and throw in an opportunity for people to learn a bit more about each other, to connect with each other, to, to say, yeah, this is me in my entirety and recognize the positive impact of that on relationships and on the well-being of individuals and of the organization. So that was the, that was the, uh, the, the, the thinking behind it was you know, that we do our best when we can take all of ourselves. Some people have said, do you really mean you can take all of yourselves? Behave how you want. No, of course not. You know, it's still about being professional. It's about being, uh, but being yourself within that professional uh, context. 
yeah, coronavirus uh, uh, meant that we, in the end, as you as you say, we were designing it so that it was to be done within workspaces and places so that people would be able to do things together. But we had to very quickly change the first phase of that to you know, that this is not about the place that you are. It's about the mindset that you're in. It's about ensuring that uh, that the culture enables everybody to contribute. And I think you know, for lots of people now, you know, working parents who are trying between them or if they're on their own to look after children and to work, you know, people trying to do podcasts like we are, where we're doing it over the over the internet when we might be doing it face to face under ordinary circumstances or uh, whatever it is that was all about saying actually this is the time when we are also learning to be flexible we're learning to do things differently um, in order to accommodate all of our other personal caring or externally imposed environments yeah I mean I think we've got a huge opportunity to learn about each other in a way that we just we haven't looked at before i guess because i mean i chair the um the diversity and inclusion panel for the construction industry council and i mean i also deliver fairness inclusion and respect training and you know we've been looking at, at some of that training and how we can sort of you know add to it and one of the things that you know i've was thinking about is the fact that we need to understand what it's like to be in that other person's shoes because until you've walked in their shoes and you understand what they're experiencing on a daily basis you just you don't get it so um you know if you are a, a woman of color and you, you just you won't understand what it's like to be her um unless unless you are going through that and you have experienced that and i think a lot of people just don't understand what it's like or appreciate what it's like for other people um you know there's a, there's a woman that i know um you know she came out to her boss um it wasn't handled very well and she quickly sort of went back into the the closet and now you know she's due to get married and and i don't think anybody even knows that she's got a girlfriend let alone a fiance and that she's, she's due to get married and mm -hmm. and i find that really sad that she has to talk about we did this at the weekend rather than me and my girlfriend or me and my fiance me and my wife you know when she gets married and um and you know I thought it was really powerful the story you know the people that you had speaking at the my whole self campaign and I remember particularly um Nat Kilsby was talking about their experience being gender fluid and it was so powerful to sort of understand what they were saying and what they'd experienced and and how what a difference it was making to them to actually be able to be themselves in the workplace. It was just so um, powerful to hear. So I just, I think that, you know, we've got a great opportunity now. And, and I know that um, one of the things that you're looking to do with the My Whole Self campaign is something that you can do at home. Mm. I think you call, is it, is it like the book club, like an online book club or story time or something like that, when you're getting people to share their experiences? Yeah, I mean, so whilst we've been working at home, and obviously you know, for some people the working for home is still um, either very new or hasn't yet happened, and for others they've been doing it for, for a long, long time. But we, as, a, as an organisation, are encouraging people to uh, connect in um, on a daily basis, a range of activities includes 
uh, yeah, the, uh, a radio station. It's including um, you know, craft uh, that people are doing together and book club. And I think there's some exercise activities as well. But you know, all of all of this uh, is really um, about you know, ensuring that if where we are, you know, changing the way that we're working, if we are working from home, that people are still able to be mentally well and healthy, you know, that social interaction is an important part of where we are. So what we're saying in uh, that first sort of phase is um, make sure that there is a routine. If you're working from home, you know, and of course some people in the construction industry, that will be true, and, and, and to others may still um, be uh, out on, on, on site, to, as I understand this, at some, at some point. But you know, if you're at home, create a routine. Don't just you know, uh, come from the bedroom to the kitchen and sit at the computer. You know, establish a morning routine and that gets you into to work. Um, making sure that there is an element of keeping on moving uh, during the day. You know, we know the relationship between physical and mental health is a really important one, so make sure you're carrying on moving. Staying connected, so making sure that you are uh, uh, continuing to talk. We've, we've you know, gained different industries in different ways, but we've got over-reliant, in my view, on email in recent times. And what we're finding, I think, at this point is that there's a bit of rebalancing back and people using Teams or Zoom or Skype, whatever, to actually have those face-to-face -face conversations. But also then to, to understand your mood and understand whether you need other help and support. So, so that's a bit of creating routines, staying active uh, in whatever way is possible, staying connected in whichever ways work um, for you, and then making sure that you're getting the support that you need if, if and when you need it. Yeah, and I think one of the things that occurred to me when I was um, sort of doing my research before the podcast was the fact that people who are designated mental health first aiders could be given a role to sort of check in on people and, and make sure that they're okay so that you know they're not doing it physically in the workplace but they could be given that role from an online point of view yeah absolutely and uh we know yeah there, there are obviously a huge number um hundreds of thousands of mental health first aiders and we know that they're all responding differently and one of those is that proactive checking in with people um some people are holding you know groups like you're saying around the book plus in that preventative um type of of, of activity but what we know is that this is about a set of skills which is about understanding how to keep yourself well but also understanding when people um, may not be well and of course if you're not seeing people on a day-to-day -day basis that can become more problematic so finding those ways to actually check in and understand each other and yeah we know that mental health first aiders across the country are really uh, just taking their understanding of their learning and knowledge and finding ways to help and support one another at these extraordinary times. Yeah, and, and if you're struggling with mental health right now, like say if you've never really kind of gotten to grips with, um, with your mental health and, and how you're feeling, like what sort of advice would you give to somebody from a starting point? I think the most important thing is to know that you are not alone and to make sure that you, you identify somebody that you trust and talk to them. That may be somebody in your friendship group, it may be a partner, it may be somebody in your family, uh, but equally the Samaritans is obviously there for people um, who are experiencing um, emotional distress, so contacting Samaritans. There's also the Shout Loud 
service, which is an online texting service, and I hope you'll be able to put the details of this in the notes to the podcast. But yeah, always, always, always talking. Yeah, it's the only only way, uh, and that may be the starting point into further help, or it may be that talking is in itself enough. Uh, but you know recognizing that change of mood, recognizing these are extraordinary circumstances, recognizing that within extraordinary circumstances comes uncertainty and with uncertainty can become uh, anxiety, heightened emotions, and that all of us, all of us are going through uncertain times. All of us need help at some point. Finding somebody you trust, whoever that is, is really, really important, but just don't bottle it up. That's great advice. Thank you so much. Well, thanks very much, Simon, for um, for talking to me today and being on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I think we've covered we've covered some great things, and you know, there's been a lot of resources that you've talked about as well, which I will definitely put on the show notes so people can uh, can have a look. And I know you've got a guide on your website as well, haven't you, about um, working from home at the moment with um with the coronavirus yeah we absolutely have i mean it was it was part of the beginning of the my health self campaign uh and it's there it will apply you know in any context and circumstances where people are working remotely and you know even actually when um you're not working remotely there's some useful bits in there you know the creating a routine uh making sure that you keep moving and stay connected are important bits at any time. And I guess the other thing for us to uh, be really mindful of is that what we eat, what we drink, what we sleep, how much we sleep, uh, all impacts on our on our mood uh, and on our well-being and on our mental health. And so sometimes in looking for the for the answers, we forget that some of the the really um, important uh, base things talking eating uh, as well as we can sleeping as well as we can not drinking too much alcohol making sure we drink lots of water uh, all really important things that everyone no matter what our uh, the state of our, our mental health um, the state of our well-being those things are all really important you know underpinning factors that we can do as much as we can yeah, because they can all sort of impact on your moods as well, can't they? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant guidance. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed listening to my podcast with Sam and Blake. I had some real light bulb moments as to how we can use this time to get to know people in our organisations better and have some meaningful conversations. I also think that there's a role that trained mental health first aiders can play by reaching out to people online to help them during this period of lockdown and social distancing. We've put some links in the show notes to the My Whole Self campaign and the working from home guidance that's currently on the website. We've also put some links to some of the organisations and helplines that we talked about in the podcast. Carrying on the theme of wellbeing next week, I'm going to be talking to Joanna May, who is a meditation teacher. Joanna is from the industry originally and started teaching meditation when she became aware of the high rates of suicide that we have. She works with contractors to teach meditation 
and she's going to be sharing some techniques to help you start your own meditation practice as well. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please like, rate and subscribe to help others find it. And if you think it will help others in your network, then send it to them too. See you next time.